Welcome to Lo-Fi Lectionary. Hey everyone, welcome to Lo-Fi Lectionary. This is the Lo-Fi Kitchen episode for Luke 8. Good morning, how are you? I'm Dr. Worm. I'm interested in things. I'm not a real doctor, but I am a real podcaster, so I hope that you are uh, ready to dig into uh, Luke 8 in a kitchen way. So um, again, this is me kind of taking a moment to kind of uh, separate away from from just trying to tell the story as it is as plainly as possible and kind of give a little bit more of my reflections on it. I hope you dig it. Um, I would also love to hear your thoughts on it, too, if you have any. Um, Luke 8. Um, again, as I said at the end of the last episode, I really like this part of the story. Um, pretty soon as we get to Luke 9 and 10, the story is going to start to turn. So these are kind of our last moments of um, the story kind of being how it is um, as it is now. But um, one of the things I find really interesting, captivating, um, challenging about Jesus in Luke is that he's constantly telling people to not be afraid. I'd have to do the math, but the last time I checked and what I've heard other people say, so I hope it's not me just being crazy or flippant, is that um, amongst anything in the Bible that God or Jesus ever command or tell people to do, do not fear is the one most often spoken. So whatever you think um, God might have as a, as a law or a commandment, um, usually uh, our, our modern brains always go to like behaviors and stuff like that and vices. Um, the number one thing that God tells people constantly is don't be afraid. And that's really interesting. Uh, excuse me. <coughs> Sorry. In Flagstaff, it's like pollen season. Like our car every day is covered in new yellow pollen. <coughs> so I'm a little scratchy right now. But um, Jesus keeps telling people to not be afraid. Um, and in the moment, uh, looking at the storm story where he and his disciples are on the boat and they're afraid, so they wake him up, and he rebukes the storm, and the storm calms down, and then he turns to them, and then he says, where is your faith? Um, because they were afraid. I've struggled with that a lot um, in my life. Like, I like that story, but I don't like that part of the story a lot, um, and I've kind of always tried to figure it out, because it doesn't seem fair to me <laughs> that Jesus criticizes the disciples and criticizes their faith for being afraid as their boat is filling with water and as there's a storm out on there in the middle of the sea. And remember from their perspective, like the sea is full of just all kinds of dangerous, scary things. I mean, it's still dangerous today. I mean, um, geez, no, I'm not, I, I don't want to touch on anything lightly, but it seems like not a month goes by where we don't see a story. Um, about people who are trying to travel to a new place across a sea and they experience storms or danger and the people die um, and children die and, and, and we see it on the news. Um, this isn't even in my notes. I just thought of it. Um, um, and it like, uh, there's a certain sense that it's like the world is a scary place for a lot of people. Um, and Jesus kind of criticizes his disciples, you know, where's your faith, you know? Um, and so I don't know if maybe that's a criticism on their fear of maybe that just they were like, oh, we're, we're all dead. There's nothing we can do. Maybe they didn't trust that he could do something about it. I don't know. It's it's not very clear in the text to me. But um, 
what I do like about the Bible, and I see this all over in, in all, almost all parts of the Bible, is the Bible never tells us to deny the scary parts of the world. I mean, the stories of the Bible are full of you know, demons, <laughs> you know, and monsters and storms and dangerous people and, you know, plagues and sicknesses and economic woes of people being poor and not being able to feed their family and famines and, um, you know, crops not growing and all kinds of stuff and social fears. Like the Bible never tells people that we're supposed to, you know, deny or ignore or not acknowledge those things as scary as they are. Like, I love that the Bible is very, it, it, it's very real. Um, I mean, it does instruct people often, you know, don't have fear, please have hope, is kind of a message that God often brings to his people. But it doesn't say like, pretend that there's nothing wrong. You know, like, I, I, I'm over the last five or so years, I've been working really hard on building a healthier brain, like not having what I call a trauma brain, where um, my brain is kind of wired itself due to a, a lot of things that happened when I was younger to kind of always imagine the worst possible scenario when something happens. That's just how the wiring in my brain works. And so I get worked up and, you know, I've, I've seen counselors and I've been on different meds at certain times in my life and stuff like that to deal with anxiety and fear. And I've had some success with that. So I understand and I envy and have learned from a lot of my friends who have learned what it means to be positive and to be a positive thinker. And I think that there's a lot of power in that and there's and, and it does free you to a lot of things and stuff like that. But I love that the Bible at the same time doesn't say, well, ju let's just pretend to be positive. Like it invites us to have hope and Jesus does, again, does people not to have fear. Um, but it doesn't say just pretend that everything is okay. You know, cause people in the Bible, like good people die. Good people don't have enough food. Good people don't can't feed their families. Good people experience great tragedy in the Bible. It's not like everything's going to be okay at all times. But at the same time, Jesus does say to these disciples on the boat, you know, don't be afraid. Um, and so we kind of need to hold that intention. Um, I mean, we read from a passage in Leviticus in the last episode, um, where it's all these laws about what to do about people who are bleeding. Um, and as I read that, and as I read it in the story, I'm just like, oh, the, these these laws are dripping with fear. You know, don't, don't have a person who's bleeding with you. Don't touch a bleeding person. Don't sit on a chair that a bleeding person had. Don't, you know, it's like all these things, like, like they're essentially saying, like, be afraid of catching something from this bleeding person, you know? And you either had to look at it one of two ways. Like it could either be laws that were there because they were afraid of the contamination. So there's, but there's all kinds of fear over that or that they were afraid of God, you know, like that God wants them to live and be a certain way. And that God doesn't want these bleeding people infecting other people. So even if I'm not really afraid and I want to touch or hold, you know, my family member who's bleeding, I don't want to do it because I don't want to make God angry. Like that person, when they're done bleeding has to go and make atonement, to say they're sorry, you know, to make things right, quote unquote, like with God again. Um, and so it's, it's a, maybe it's a combination of those two fears of fear of contamination, fear of getting sick, fear of the blood, but also fear of this God. Um, and yet Jesus is the one who never seems to be afraid. Like the, 
You know, he's not afraid of contamination. He's also not afraid of God. He's not afraid of the storm. He's not afraid of dying. He's not afraid of when other people die. Like he just kind of seems to be, I mean, he's like daredevil. He's a, he's a man without fear. I, I wonder what it was like for Jesus to walk around and to not be afraid. Like he just doesn't seem to be afraid of anything. I, I wonder what that's like. Like, I wonder what it lived like to live a day without fear. There's a podcast called um, Invisibilia. It's really good. It's made by, I think it's made by some of the people. It's kind of like an offshoot of This American Life, if I remember right. And there's one episode, it's all about fear. And they actually interview and they talk to these psychologists who have this interesting case of there's a woman who has a, if I remember right, it's part of her brain was calcified. And um, therefore, it doesn't function right. And the part of her brain that it happened in is the part that controls and feels and processes fear. So this woman literally lives without being able to be afraid. And they actually have to take care of this woman and protect her identity. And her family members and friends, I imagine, have to be really helpful and supportive because if she's not able to be afraid of anything, she can actually get herself in lots of dangerous situations and be, she's really vulnerable to being taken advantage of and stuff like that. Um, and yet here Jesus is there and he's kind of walking around and he's just not afraid. I, there's part of me that wishes I could have that just for a day. Like if I could go on vacation um, and not worry about work, if I could buy my son a Lego set and not be afraid that the student loans won't get paid or my car won't break down. You know, if I could eat a cheeseburger without being afraid of, of the calories, you know, like big fears, small fears. If I wouldn't be afraid that one day we're all going to grow old and die. Sorry if there's any children listening to this. You know what I mean? Like if I wouldn't be, if I could live a day without being afraid of something that would happen to my son or my wife um, or my church. Or my job. I wonder what that would be like. Would that be freeing, or would that be, in a sense, like very troubling? <laughs> you know. Um, but then again, if it was troubling, I guess I wouldn't be afraid of it. Um, and so Jesus is this weird human divine combination person. He's kind of the first human being that we get to see in the story walking around who's not afraid of anything. And this ties back maybe into the, the ethical teaching. We've been really struggling with Jesus' teaching about, you know, those blesseds and those woes and about go and forgive and give anyone to gifts you and love your enemies and pray for them and stuff like that. Um, maybe Jesus is able to do those things and to live a very different way in the world than the rest of us because he's not afraid. Like, we all hear those teachings, and the question we asked in the last kitchen was, like, that's that's no way to live. You can't run a, a family, a house, a business, a church, a country. You can't run even just an individual life, like, living like that. Like, what if you lose all your money because people take it? Or what if you love your enemies and all they do is give you crap, you know, and, and hurt you more? Or what if they hurt you so much that you die? Or, you know, like, what all these things that could happen. And maybe Jesus is able to live that way because he's like, well, we're not, we're, we, I, and I'm inviting you to not be afraid of those things. And I wonder if most of us, when we object to the way that Jesus tells us to live or teaches us to live in the world, like the reason we don't do it always at the end, if we were to dig, 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 dig down into it, it probably goes back to some sort of fear that we have. 
of what might happen to us, of what's going on in the world. Um, and we're afraid that it don't it won't work. I mean, okay, for those of you who are hopefully listening who aren't religious, but are maybe just curious to look into the story and let it cause you to think about our world a little bit differently. Like, whatever you think the best version of the world is, like the best of all possible worlds, you know, um, is the reason we can't get there as people, as individual people, or as a community, a neighborhood, a country, a globe, is the reason that we can't get there is just because we're too afraid. Like, you know, can we not love each other the way that Jesus says? Because it's like, no, we're afraid that if we don't have laws and rules and punishments and consequences, because we're afraid that we might become victims or we're afraid that it won't work or we're afraid, you know, what happens when the storm comes, you know? And yet here Jesus is, even with that same energy, saying like, oh no, the only way your house is going to stand is if you do what I tell you and follow my instructions. I wonder, um, I mean, looking back at the characters of the stories, okay, so we have these, these Pharisees and teachers, and remember, not all of them, but we have a couple of them pointed out, Pharisees, teachers, scribes, um, who keep getting messed up with Jesus. Like for some reason they don't connect with him in the same way that a lot of other people do. And a lot of other people get to connect with Jesus in a way that they get to experience and celebrate and be amazed and, and have this new wonder about how good God is. And they don't walk away with that. And I wonder if what keeps messing them up is, is that is their fear either that, um, maybe they're afraid of God. Maybe if we dug back into their theology, back at its roots somewhere would be low level or high level anxiety that if they do the wrong thing, that God will give them what they deserve as wrongdoers and that that will be very, very bad for them. And if that at your base is what you believe about the character of God, you're going to live life afraid. Like if if in your point of view and your theology, the way that you view the world is that if I do some of the wrong things, that God is going to turn from me and leave me to like, to, to burn. Like then I become the chaff. Like, I mean, that can take you pretty far. I mean, fear can be used as a fuel, but it's a bad fuel. It's only going to take you so far. Um, and it might actually be fuel that only makes you kind of erratic and only makes you end up wounding yourself and some other people. And I wonder if at the heart of their theology is something that they're afraid of about God. Whereas Jesus, when he shows up, is walking around saying, don't be afraid. He's God literally walking around inviting people to not be afraid anymore. Or if at the Pharisees at the heart of what their problem is, is that they are fear of being kind of contaminated. Like you don't hang out with sinners because they might mess you up. They might make things bad for you. They might ruin the good thing you have going. Um, and you don't hang out and let people touch you and touch other people if they're bleeding or if they're sick or something like that because you don't want to get contaminated. That's just that's just wisdom, you know? And here Jesus seems to have a, a, a contrary wisdom where it's like, no, we, we go and we touch them and we let them touch us and and we let sinners enter into our lives. In fact, we go over to their house and stuff like this. It's, it's interesting. And I struggle with that because I don't think that the Pharisees are really bad people. Like even the ones that kind of cross paths poorly with Jesus in the story. Like, are they bad people? Or are they good people who really want to help and want to be a part of what God is doing in the world? But maybe they're just too afraid. 
maybe they're too afraid that if they make the wrong thing, do the wrong things, they'll upset God and that's going to be really bad for them. Or they're too afraid to cross their religious boundaries and their customs to help out other people because they don't want to get infected themselves. And they don't want to mess that these other people are already in. So it's easier to just kind of move them out of town. And maybe they're, so maybe they're good people, but they're just, they're just too afraid. And so that's why there's maybe part of me that thinks it's not really fair when Jesus is like, don't be afraid. It's like, well, Jesus, you can't tell me to not be afraid. Do you see the way the world is? People are bleeding, you know, like, and have you read some of your, your, the old writings? Like God, you know, has serious consequences sometimes for some people who break the things, you know, like there's reasons to be afraid. Like there's storms and there's invading armies and there's dangers for my family and for my kid out there. Like, how dare you tell me to not be afraid? That's tough for me because I wonder I feel like it's kind of a healthy exercise for me to put myself not just always in the place of the people that Jesus does well with, but the people that don't do well with Jesus to wonder myself, are there any boundaries that I'm too afraid to cross to help other people? Like I do believe that God wants me to. Like, am I too afraid that I'm going to lose everything in the process? And so therefore I say no to it because I'm too afraid or am I too afraid of God? And so I'm too afraid of doing the wrong thing and that keeps me from doing the right thing. Because in my brain, or deep hidden in there, is maybe an image of God, the old bearded man who's ready to just zap me whenever he gets the chance. He's like like he's dying to do it. <laughs> um, it's tough. There's a, there's a Derek Webb song. Any Derek Webb fans out there? Um, it's a song about politics. Derek Webb, for those of you guys don't know, he's a he's a he's a he's a, a Christian artist. I'm sure he might hate that term, but he's a he who uh, was in a in a Christian band. Which I oh god, I hate that term. I hate that I'm using it. Um, but uh, he kind of broke off from them and started doing solo work. And he's been really interesting because he's kind of a he's a huge like Bob Dylan, Rich Mullins kind of fan in that vein of he kind of writes protest songs. <laughs> In that sense, he's got like a little bit of fiery 60s, 70s folk in him. Um, and uh, he wrote the song about politics um, on one of his albums. And there's a line from it that's always stuck in my head of um, he's describing politicians as being scared of their enemies and scared of their friends and always running for re-election. Oh, and I, I love that because it speaks so deeply at the heart of not just politicians but i think me and possibly you of uh, that where fear kind of determines a lot of our behaviors and and depending on what we're afraid of can really drive us to some different places and for some of us who maybe struggle with anxiety or struggle with mental illness or struggle with depression or struggle with um, trauma or abuse it puts us in a place where fear controls us or has such an effect on us so much that we're not just scared of our enemies, but that we're also scared of our friends. And it's like we're always running for re-election. It's like we're always trying to prove ourselves and always trying to put on a good face so we get votes and help and we can earn and merit everything that we deserve and, and need from people instead of just being honest about our needs and getting the help that we can go find. Um, I mean, I've worked for churches for the last 12 years 
And churches, man, churches can be places that are so full of fear about how the culture is changing or about how we're losing people or about our budgets and about just, well, we, we can't say that about those people because what if God gets angry with us? Or we can't say that because what if people that we need to be part of our community, quote unquote, turn their backs on us and leave? Like churches can be a really fearful place. And yet churches are kind of the places that carry these stories about Jesus and say that this is instructing for the way that we should live. And Jesus is constantly saying, don't be afraid. I mean, but you also see it in politics outside of the church all the time. I mean, like the two major parties are so scared of us. They even vote for bills that they don't like because they're too scared of looking weak and going home and having to hear from their constituents and not getting their votes or not getting their donations from big donors. Like they're so scared of making anyone angry that they're willing to do things that they would morally, morally don't agree with. Like, isn't that weird? That's so strange. Like fear is, is all over. Like when I read about what people do in politics, I'm like, Oh, they're, yeah, it's cause they're afraid. Um, you know, or even us as citizens who aren't politicians, like the way that we react. We're, our politics is often run by fear. When I see people on Facebook who only post amazing things, but when I know what's really going on in their life, I'm like, oh, fear. They're afraid of not having friends or they're afraid of what people really might know about them. And that's, you know, that's different than having healthy boundaries. You know what I mean? But yeah, it's kind of interesting. Or people at work at your, at, at any job I've worked at, we're all afraid. I worked at Chipotle for a while and I'll tell you every single worker at Chipotle was terrified because you have like four bosses and at any single moment, any one of them could like make big trouble for you. And even the bosses, like the reason that they run the store the way that they do is because they're afraid of their bosses and their bosses are afraid of their bosses and so on and so on and so on. And we're all afraid of losing our work and not being able to feed our families. You know what I mean? It's, it's all just fear. I remember there was one person at Chipotle who would get angry at me if I didn't put the spoon back in the black beans at the right angle that she wanted me to put it in at an angle of. She was the only one who got mad at me about that on a constant basis. It's crazy, like how f afraid we all are. But it's a bad fuel, you guys. And maybe that's why Jesus is telling us not to be afraid, because he's like, look, we can't get to where I want to go. We can't get to a loving community unless we figure out how to let go of fears. And you're not going to be able to love your enemies until you stop being afraid of them. That's tough words, you guys, but I think it's good. Um, and what's cool about using love as a fuel instead of fear is that love is kind of a self-generating fuel. Like if you look for it, there's always enough. We're going to get to some stories coming up in Luke where uh, Jesus takes a few things and he makes many things out of them. It's from Jesus's point of view, there's always enough. Like if we share and if we love, there's always enough. That's just the way Jesus seems to think the world works. And if anything, um, I wonder, as we struggle with this tension between trying to love and do good in the world or being afraid in the world, the Jesus story, because of the fact that he's always inviting people to not fear, but trust and believe, and not trust and believe in, in something abstract, but trust and believe in his goodness in his love and care and concern, in his sense of compassion, 
maybe in the end, what that leaves us all with is that it leaves us with the freedom to err on the side of loving and giving and being generous to others. Instead of erring on the side of excluding or hurting or hating because we're afraid of others or afraid of God. Like, if we're trying to figure out what the right thing to do is, the Jesus story seems so far at least to say, err on the side of loving and giving and sharing and inviting. Because in the end, even if we were wrong, maybe we'll be met with the same love and forgiveness and mercy that Jesus says that we gave them. Wink. I'll see you guys later. Take care. Thanks for coming to the kitchen. Hit me up on uh, on Facebook. Let's chat about this. I want to hear what you think of the story. Be well, my friends. It was fun. Hi, everyone. I just want to say a quick thank you to you for listening to this episode of Lo-Fi Lectionary. If you liked the podcast, please help us out. You can review, subscribe, and share the podcast any way you can. Um, the more people we get in on the game, the funner this is going to be. Uh, if you want to participate in the discussion for this episode, you can come visit our website at kevinlester.net and follow the links to the podcast and then to the link for this episode. Um, you can also find our podcast on Facebook and we can discuss and, and keep things going on there. Uh, just search Facebook for Lo-Fi Lectionary and you'll find us. You can also get in touch with me, Kevin, directly at lofi at kevinlester.net. And that's lofi with no dash. So L-O-F-I at kevinlester.net. And you can also find me on Twitter at lofikevin. With no dash again, so at Lo-Fi Kevin. Um, that's kind of it. So thank you for coming, and we'll see you guys next episode. Thank you for listening.